This episode of HR Rescue is sponsored by MBI Worldwide. MBI Worldwide provides compliant employment screening and safe hiring management solutions. Excellent customer service, integrity, accuracy, integration with existing HR software platforms, secure online account access, and a wide range of products and competitive pricing define why MBI Worldwide believes that good screening is smart business. Each day we get hundreds of questions from our clients and other small and mid-sized business owners about some of the most common HR issues. We figured if they have those questions, you might too. Let's provide a lifeline and share our answers to some of the most common scenarios. This is HR Rescue with your host, Jenny Stone. Here we go! Hi, Jenny Stone here from HR Shield with your HR Rescue. Each day we get hundreds of questions from our clients and other small and mid-sized business owners about some of the most common HR issues. We figured if they have those questions, you might too. So let's provide a lifeline and share our answers to some of the most common scenarios. Union members enjoy the extra layer of protection provided by the collective bargaining agreement. Yet this layer is not impenetrable. Where a non-union member can be often fired for any reason or even no reason, if an employee is protected by a collective bargaining agreement, an employer must establish just cause for any discipline or termination actions. Most collective bargaining agreements include specific procedural guidelines for employers seeking to impose discipline against a union member. Step one, follow procedure. The collective bargaining agreement normally sets forth the proper procedure for bringing a disciplinary or termination action against an employee. Employers should ensure that all management and HR personnel are aware of the disciplinary procedure in the agreement. In addition, the employee handbook and any employer-run intranet personnel policy sites should contain the specific disciplinary procedure that applies to union employees. Failure to follow the procedure could result in the employer's action being overturned and losses paid to the union employee for any financial or benefit losses incurred as a result of the employer's failure to follow procedure. Step two, utilize a progressive discipline system. Employers in unionized workplaces normally follow a progressive discipline system. A progressive system sets forth increasingly severe forms of discipline in the event that the previous form of discipline did not correct the employee's conduct. This method gives employees proper notice that certain behavior is not acceptable. In addition, this policy places an employee on notice of employer dissatisfaction before job security is threatened. For example, a typical progressive discipline policy calls for the following. First offense, verbal warning. Second offense, written reprimand. Third offense, temporary probation. And final or fourth events, demotion or termination. Progressive disciplinary steps provide employees with plenty of notice and generally satisfy the four just cause requirement. Step three, determine just cause. An employer must have just cause for imposing discipline on a union employee. Unless an employer has just cause for making a negative employment decision regarding a union member, there is a chance the decision can be overturned. To avoid the hassle of repeated appeals and the risk of having to pay back wages, make sure that there is sufficient proof justifying the disciplinary action. The following are six crucial questions that employers should ask themselves when preparing to discipline a union employee. Number one. Was the employee on notice that the conduct could lead to disciplinary action? Number two, 
was the rule related to the employer's business operations and a reasonable expectation of employees. Number three, was there a fair and accurate investigation to determine whether the employee actually violated the rule or engaged in the alleged misconduct? Number four, is there any proof of the alleged misconduct? Number five, is this rule followed across the board and applied equally to all employees? And number six, was a disciplinary action consistent with that taken for similar violations of the rule or did it far outweigh the offense? Gather all information that can support the decision. That way, in the event an employee challenges the employment decision, the employer is prepared to defend its action. Step four, communicate with the union. Since the union is the employee's representative in the employment matter, the union must also be advised of any disciplinary action taken against one of its members. The following steps ensure that the lines of communications are open and that the union is at all times apprised of the disciplinary proceedings involving the employee. Notify the union of the impending action and why it's being instituted. Undergo a brief consult with the union before taking disciplinary action and provide the union with all documentation that relates to the matter. Step five, collect witness statements. An employer may collect witness statements from individuals with information surrounding the alleged misconduct. Under a new standard adopted by the National Labor Relations Board, an employer is no longer able to withhold witness statements from a union. Instead, the employer has to establish that it has legitimate and substantial confidentiality interest in order to deny a union's request for a witness statement. An employer should be mindful that an employee may be hesitant to step forward and provide information as he or she may risk retaliation, harassment, and coercion. As a result, an employer should weigh the risks against the employee whose statement is at issue against the union's need for the information. Step six, identify any employee defenses. Employees may have solid defense in some instances. This could include certain actions or inactions of the employer, mitigating circumstances, or excessive punishment for the alleged misconduct. Step seven, permit union representation if requested. Union employees have the right to have a union representative present in any meeting where the union employee reasonably believes that he or she may be likely disciplined. However, employees have to be aware of the right and request to exercise it. Employers are not required to inform employees of their right to representation but they are required to comply with it if requested. Step eight, provide timely notice of decision. No matter what the final decision, be it dismissal, probation, or demotion, employers should provide an employee with written notice within a prescribed amount of time. If the employee is still present at the work site, hand delivery for the notice is sufficient. If the employee is not present on the work site, employers may send disciplinary notice via certified mail. Step nine, prepare for dispute resolution proceedings. Employees that believe a disciplinary measure was unfair or unjust may file a grievance. The filing of a grievance and related procedures are generally addressed and dictated by the governing collective bargaining agreement. The grievance procedure usually consists of an investigation, a hearing, and then possible mediation or binding arbitration. The grievance process should seek the furtherance of open lines of communication between the employer, employee, and the union. 
In most instances, the procedure begins with a verbal conversation, followed by the filing of a formal written grievance if the employee still feels the issue is unresolved. An employee will normally have to cite specific examples within the collective bargaining agreement that the employee believes the employer has violated by imposing the discipline and what they believe will resolve the situation. If the parties are unable to resolve the situation amicably, the grievance may be submitted to binding arbitration where an impartial third party hears the merits of the case and renders a final decision. Have an HR question you'd like answered? Leave your topic idea in the comment section below. And as always, thank you for watching and don't forget to hit the subscribe button. And you can always email us for more information at support at hr-shield.com. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the HR Rescue Podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode and help spread the word by leaving a review. The HR Rescue Podcast is made possible by HR Shield, the firm consulting group of Tampa, and your host, Jenny Stone. Here we go! This podcast was recorded in Tampa, Florida and Greenville, South Carolina, and was produced by Lonnie West at LRW Media Studios. Find us in your favorite podcast app or online at hr-rescue.com.